Mav mates, it's Ginny here. A very, very warm Mav Geeks welcome to you. So today's Mini Mav episode is with Katie Lee, MBE. Katie is an RAFAC officer, an airline first officer flying the Boeing 737 MAX and human factors specialist. Katie spoke to myself and my old Mav man, Alex Gill. Tell us about your story. How did you get into aviation? So I grew up around aviation. Uh, my dad was a pilot. My mum was cabin crew. Nothing like a bit of uh, sort of fitting the mould in terms of, of what you expect from, from family business. World. Oh, God, absolutely. So everybody that I kind of grew up around was in aviation. And in many ways, I think that made life a lot easier because at no point did I ever think, oh, I can't go into to aviation as a, as a female, which was was really nice. Uh, I never really intended to become a pilot. It just sort of happened by mistake. Uh, but I love it. I wouldn't do anything else these days. And what are the aircraft that you fly? So work-wise, I fly the 737, so the 800 and um, the Dash 8, so what was the Max. And I do a little bit of general aviation flying with uh, what was RAF Line and Flying Club, so doing some instructing there as well. So tell us about the Max. Obviously, quite a well-known aircraft for a number of reasons. What, what's it like to fly? Do you know what? It's beautiful. We're all aware of of what happened a couple of years ago, and obviously the recent Netflix documentary about the Vax has really highlighted a lot of that to a lot of people. But from the pilot's perspective these days, it's lovely. It's so much quieter. The fuel efficiency is just mind-blowing. I mean, it's incredible. The first time I got on a Max and looked at the amount of fuel that we were taking for, I can't remember, we were going Tenerife or something, I thought, we're never going to get there. But actually, it's, you know, the, the way that technology's come on just in terms of those engines is incredible. So I really like flying the Max. I would have it every day of the week over the NG. Yeah, I think that about a lot of aircraft these days, actually. So so many aircraft that can get from, from one end of the earth to the other only have two engines these days, whereas before you'd very much need four, or sometimes more if we're talking about, you know, the Antonov, which has been in the news recently for some quite sad reasons. But, you know, that has, I think, six engines. Mm-hmm. Um, so the engine technology these days is, is actually quite mind-blowing that aircraft can get to all these places around the world with less fuel than do it much cleaner so it's, it's really good news that it's, everything's becoming more efficient and cleaner yeah absolutely and it is it is incredible the days of four engine jet aircraft i think are kind of long gone the 747 was iconic the a380 didn't really work you know it's it's not sold particularly well it's not done particularly well but what as you say what they can do with two engines and how far we can go is amazing and i think the max from a short haul perspective will open up the world how long have you been flying the Max for, Katie? Were you flying it like a number of years when when everything happened with it? Or is it a new thing for you? So the Max was reasonably early in service when the incidents happened. So I've been qualified on the Max since it came into service. I've uh, been flying the 7.3 for three and a half years. So we had the kind of the period where it was grounded. So we've mm. been back flying it, I guess, for a year and a bit now. And what other aircraft would you think, oh, I would really fancy a go flying that? The biggest one for me, and there are a few technological challenges around this, mostly it's not flying anymore, but I would have loved to have flown Concorde. Uh, I think that would have been like one hell of an experience. You know, just just the thought of sort of being able to to make the world that much smaller mm. and to have such a an important place in the history of, of such an incredible aircraft would have been pretty awesome. Uh, sadly, that's not going to happen. Um so I don't know. I'd be nice to do a bit of long haul. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll get Airbus. I was going to ask you about your Concord poster behind you. And I think the other one, it looks like artwork of a 747, a BA 747. Um, 
do they do they mean anything to you? Is it just because you're you know a fan of aviation? Where did you get them? Why are they there? Looking around the rest of my room, there's a lot of aviation posters. There's, there's definitely a theme. Um, the Concorde one I just really liked. The seven four seven was a print that was commissioned for Pilots Together, the charity that I'm involved in. Commissioned that one last year, so it was a limited edition run, and all of us as trustees have got a copy. So it means something from that perspective. But obviously the 7-4 as well was a hugely iconic aircraft. Really sad that it's been grounded these days. Yeah, it's very sad indeed. I was the last one that flew to the Cotswold Airport when it got decommissioned, flew over Bryce because they do the radar for that airport. And uh, I saw it go over. Um, well, actually, I say I heard it go over. It was a very cloudy day, actually. I just about saw it through the cloud. Um, but I, I heard it more than saw it. But that was that was a very poignant day and quite a, quite a sad day. Oh, yeah. I fly out of uh, Cotswold Airport, Kemble. And they've all been broken up and sort of cut up over the last few years. And seeing them go from this kind of majestic line of 747s to one or two hanging around is it's an end of an era, really. Yeah. Mm. Tell us about your, your charity, as you mentioned it, and, and what that's all about. Yeah. So two years ago now, a few of us came together from a couple of different airlines and set up pilots together. So during the pandemic, the way that aviation suffered, as you guys know, was appalling. It was awful. And about one in six airline pilots in the UK lost their jobs or had a, a significant reduction in, in hours. And there just wasn't the support for them. We set up Pilots Together to provide uh, financial support, well-being support, and just that community feel for the pilots that didn't have it anymore, that did want to stay part of the industry. And it's great now that a lot of them are now being offered jobs with some of the sort of newer airlines and some of the smaller airlines. I, I was going to ask this, actually. How, how did the pandemic affect you personally in your career? What's really come out of it that I think is really interesting is that from an aviation perspective for the aviation community, I think we've realised that the way that we work probably isn't sustainable. For a lot of us, fatigue is a huge factor. And actually, having had that reset, it's quite difficult to get going. It's quite difficult to do those 14-hour days with you know various changes of time zone and the pressures of, of working in a pressurised aluminium tube at 40,000 feet. But that said, I think I'm more than anything, like more grateful than ever for my job. Now, Katie, I know we were just talking about the, the Max that you fly, but you're a small aircraft fan too, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do some flight instructing, which is great fun. My background in a previous life was, was as a teacher. And I quite like that I can get in something that I genuinely understand everything about. Whereas with the larger ones, the systems are so complex that there's always something that you have to really think about. But it's really nice to be able to sort of pop into your local airfield and go and have lunch on a day off. And it's nice to be able to inspire people who want to get involved in that sphere as well. I mean, it definitely has its scary moments because there comes a point where regardless of, of who the individual is that you're working with, you have to just take your hands off and go, do you know what? This is your landing on my license. So really, really get this right. Um, and you put a lot of trust in somebody, but there is nothing better than, you know, I think back to somebody that I flew with, got at the tail end of last year, young chap, and we'd been flying for quite a few hours at this point, not a huge number, maybe seven or eight, went into the circuit and I just sat back, hands off the controls and let him take the landing. He had no idea I was doing that. When we got down on the ground, I said, you know that you did all of that yourself? Sort of the realisation, but also the confidence boost that he got in that second from being able to do that. You can't match it. When the ground leaves you and you're you're there on your kind of first lesson, do you look over at people's faces and you can kind of read them in that moment? Like, how are they going to cope with the rest of the first lesson and you see their face as the ground falls away? <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of that. There is a bit of that. Some people are just like starstruck, overwhelmed by what's going on. Um, yeah, I would be. It's, <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs> there you go, Al. Katie, do you want to tell us about your work with the RF cadets? 
Yeah, no worries. So I've been involved in the Air Cadets for coming up 13 years now. Got dragged into it as an adult by a friend of mine who's also a pilot. And initially it was one of those where he sort of said, oh, well, we need people who know things about aviation because we've got loads of keen volunteers, but none of them really have an aviation background. So can you come and I think I was helping invigilate some exams, which in hindsight was like the lamest excuse for getting me through the door that I can imagine. (laughs) Um, I have yet to leave. And have been sort of dragged around doing various things, had some awesome experiences, got to go to some really cool places, meet some fascinating people. And these days I am the Region Aerospace Officer for London and Southeast Region. So coordinating sort of aerospace offerings, flying, gliding, that sort of stuff for our, gosh, what, about 5,000 cadets in London and Southeast? I do get a lot of, what's your favourite airport? What's the biggest thing you've ever flown? <laughs> what is your favourite airport? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, at the moment, I think I like Funchal in Madeira best because it's quite wow. a challenge. So somebody in their wisdom decided the best place to build the runway in Funchal, although it is basically just a mountain, was on the side of a mountain. So essentially to get in there, you've got to fly a visual approach, which we don't do in the airlines particularly often, turning to face the mountain before quite a late last minute turn. It's always windy. It's always um, challenging conditions. Beautiful, beautiful island. Just looks incredible. But... There is never a dull day when you go down to Funchal. That and yeah. it's a captain's only approach, so I don't actually have too much work to do. Ah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really odd looking runway as well, because it kind of juts out into the sea, doesn't it? Myself and Alex spent a lot of time at BFBS Gibraltar. Our studio was right next to the runway. And we, <laughs> we, we spent a lot of time watching some quite sporting landings. I just want to go back to the Max. You were saying about the fuel efficiency is amazing. What what else makes it such a good aircraft for you? I think, and this is probably something that even a lot of airline pilots can't quite get their head around because they all fly newer aircraft than I do. But flying the NG, the 737 NG, the technology is in the, like made in the 60s. We've got glass cockpit, but it's quite simplistic. Whereas stepping into the max feels like, I'm not going to say stepping into the future. It really feels like stepping into the present. Hmm. So, you know, you're kind of on par with a lot of the other aircraft that we're flying around these days because the screens are beautiful. Everything's really nicely laid out. The ergonomics of it just makes a bit more sense. As I say, the quietness makes a huge difference. I think the biggest thing for us, though, is is the fuel efficiency, is the the way that the engines react, because it's really nice to fly. Some of the characteristics that you find in the NG, so we get certain dead bands in the control column, certainly on takeoff, you don't find that on the max, so it reacts the way you'd expect an aircraft to react at all times, which is really nice. So... Yeah, it just feels like a bit more of a grown-up aircraft to fly. And what's next for you, Katie? You said a little bit earlier on, you know, maybe in the future you'd think about long haul. Or is that something that you would be looking towards doing sort of in the next few years? Yeah, I mean, potentially. I don't really know what the future holds from a piloting perspective. I'm reasonably relaxed about going with the flow with that one. Uh, my big thing over the next few years is human factors, so developing my human factors business and getting the word out to people about how human factors, which we've kind of developed in aviation, Mm. is so applicable to other industries. So I've got lots of talks coming up over the next few weeks and months to various military and non-military organizations about the human factors side of things and just opening people's eyes a bit, really. Because what matters in aviation these days is those marginal gains in safety. And they come from the non-technical side of things. You know, the MAX was a bit of an outlier, but realistically, we look at what's happened over the last few years in aviation, and it's all been human factors related, where people have made mistakes. And if there was one, I mean, this is a real massive generalisation, but if there was one thing that you could think that um, airlines and aviators could take on board 
to improve safety from a, like you say, from a human factors point of view, one little nugget, what would it be? I think the biggest thing, and this is probably more global than anything else, is the ability to challenge authority and to challenge authority appropriately. So from sort of the military's perspective, it's quite challenging to challenge people due to the rank structure. From a lot of other cultures, it's quite challenging to turn around to somebody older and say, I don't think you're right. But actually, globally, that's been a significant cause of things that have gone wrong. So learning how to develop those communication skills, those non-technical skills to be able to challenge other people, I think is the biggest thing that matters. And to accept the challenge, because it's all well and good to be able to say, I think you're wrong. But if you can't turn around and listen to somebody saying that they think you're wrong, Mm. completely null and void. So I was just going to ask, you know, if anyone's listening to this uh, and is, is thinking about making that step into uh, learning to fly, you know, in GA, what would your advice be to them if they really have no clue where the kind of start point is on, on that kind of journey? I think they've probably made the first step by deciding they want to do it for starters. Get online, have a look for your local flying school that offers PPL or LAPL lessons. Book a lesson, see how it goes. And I think the big thing as well about this is that if you don't get on with the first person you fly with, if the instructor's not right for you, ask for somebody else because it shouldn't be an individual that stops you learning to fly. And I had that with my first instructor was the reason I think that I didn't necessarily click with it to start with is that we were very, very different people. So perseverance, shop around. If you don't like where you first start, go somewhere else. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. was my good self with former mathman alex gill speaking to katie lee mbe do not forget to join us next week for a full-on maths episode with myself and present mathman jamie gordon as we visit RF filingdales in north yorkshire is it really 30 years since they got rid of those golf balls i'll see you next week